opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon. Welcome to episode 308 of Sports Roundtable, dated Monday, October 2nd. Uh, no, I'm not Bob Branco. Bob is uh, out, but we'll be back next week. My name is Peter Altschul from uh, Coos Bay, Oregon. And let's see who our panelists are before we introduce our guests. Let's see. We have Don Wardlow. Don, say hi. Hi there. It's back to almost summer again here in Jersey, almost 80 degrees. We're, we're getting that next uh, We're getting that later in the week, believe it or not. Uh, um, Michael Garrett. Yes, and welcome from a 92 degrees breezy Missouri City, Texas. I think it's 58 degrees here in Coos Bay and raining, so I don't know what to say to you guys. Is Luther here yet? No word from Luther. I'm sure he will appear. Um, so I want to uh, do the usual thanks to Raymond Gay, our co-producer, Tom and Lynn for, on Rosie's Place, uh, the various media outlets that stream us, and Jack in, Jack Jacqueline Sylvia, who uh, puts these programs on Bob's website, BrancoEvents.com, where you can find this the sites, uh, the, the programs or podcasts from latest to earliest, at which point I would say, Merci, Jackie. And then I want to thank Steve, Steve Bauer, who is our host, ACB host. And I think I've said all the thank yous I need to say at the moment, uh, except that we now have a guest, uh, Pete Weber, who, who I believe is the play-by-play play dude of the Nashville Predators. Do I have that right, Pete? Yes, you do. Thank you so much. Well, welcome to Sports Roundtable. Glad to be here. Let's start shooting those bulls. Let's start shooting those bulls. So I, I'm i really curious about uh, two things about hockey. I, I know we will talk about baseball too, but I have two, two questions that are um, unrelated. The first question has to do with, I, I was involved with hockey uh, in the beginning of the late 60s when there were only six hockey teams. I've never quite figured out how there, there, there could be a hockey team south of, I don't know, uh, Washington, D.C., for sake of example. Uh, how does how does hockey fare in places like Nashville? It's fared very well, uh, particularly since the team was sold to a locally based ownership group in 2007. And I think the people thought at that point it was less of a uh, carpetbagger, and that wasn't true at the beginning anyway, but a carpetbagger uh, incursion into the market. And now, I mean, hockey has been extremely strong in Florida in two locations there. In California, at three locations, in Arizona and in Colorado. And uh, let's not forget about Texas, which right. has a Stanley Cup winner uh, from the Predators' first season, 1998-99. As a matter of fact, I think it's still true. The state with the most professional hockey franchises, and that's major and minor league, is Texas. And is the fan base transplanted people from New York or Northeast, or are they, are they really local? They're mostly local now. For okay. a while, the uh, the population was seeded by the two automobile plants here that brought a lot of Detroit Red Wing fans oh, into the building. Okay. And so we had uh, 
really, when you think about it, with two plants within 25 miles of the arena, we had uh, a pretty good beginnings for the uh, fan base here. And then it's 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 grown locally from people who are uh, Nashvilleians or whatever the right expression. Tennessee. Yes. Well, Nashvilleians is pretty good. Okay. And uh, we're right around 4,000 registered amateur players, uh, junior, and uh, and going into the senior ranks. So the people are not only watching it, they are playing it. And I think that's what really helps set the table for future success. But I'm guessing there are no uh, college hockey teams, right? No, Vanderbilt doesn't have a hockey program, for Vanderbilt example. Vanderbilt has a club program. Does it? Okay. Tennessee State University announced uh, a few weeks ago they're starting one next year, and they plan to go varsity with it. And University of Tennessee has had club hockey since the 70s. Oh, okay. College hockey is alive and well down here. So here's my major complaint with the NHL uh, season, and somehow it bothers me more with the NHL than with the NBA or baseball. I don't know why it is. The season is just the regular season is so incredibly long. You know, it just goes, it goes, it, it starts when end of October, something like that, pretty soon, right? The beginning of the we, we start next week. Next week. Uh, okay. The 10th on October and, 10th. And the playoffs don't start, Stanley Cup playoffs don't start until uh, late April, if I, if I, if I have memories or correct. Well, mid April, mid April now. So at least we're not. We're not talking about what our COVID schedules were <laughs> That's a, true. Few, a few years ago because yeah. the Stanley Cup was awarded uh, two years ago uh, yesterday. So that has been uh, taken care of. So, so how many how many preseason games do, do they play? The Predators have six, and we have two to go yet on Thursday and Friday night. And then, and then the season starts. Right. So how do you – how do you? Uh, I just can't handle the long hockey season. How do you keep – keep track of it how do you uh maintain your energy through that through that long you know that long season uh, i think it's natural enthusiasm and i think that's what does it more than anything else uh there are some nights perhaps where you've played four games in five nights and your energy level is not quite there uh i listen i record all my broadcasts and listen to see if i'm keeping up at least to my standards and uh, I've not received much, if any, complaints about that. Oh, I'm I'm sure you're really good. Uh, <laughs> no, no arguments about that. I just, for some reason, find the the length of the hockey season more annoying than the length of the basketball or baseball season. I don't know. I don't know quite know why that is. But that, it that's just, just might me. be a lack of love for the game because uh, baseball is really just as long. It is different it, different months, yeah. and we don't have the rules about. Uh, a pitch timer or anything like that yeah. in hockey. So uh, I'm glad for that. Yeah. So what 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 is your sense of uh, how Nashville is going to do this year compared to other hockey teams? My sense is they're going to contend for the playoffs. They've got a lot of young players. We have a new general manager who was our first coach, Barry Trotz, who's a general manager now for the very first time, having after leaving Nashville being coach of the Washington Capitals when they won the Cup in 2018. And then after that, a couple of years with the New York Islanders. So he's had the chance to study at the feet of many learned people in the game. And he's already made some huge changes with the roster. And as of yesterday, sending down some 20 players to the farm club at Milwaukee, now there's a more workable group here for new head coach Andrew Burnett, who was the guy 
guy who scored the first goal in team history back in 1998. And uh, he's very enthusiastic about all of this. And he was a head coach for the Florida Panthers when they won the President's Trophy two years ago. And last year assisted Lindy Ruff with New Jersey and a very good club that was too. Uh, Steve, do we, do we have any hands raised? Uh, we do. Mitch Pomerantz. Let's, let's get Mitch on. Mitch, Mitch, welcome and congratulations on USC, although they almost blew a lead against... Uh, uh, we almost blew a lead, and clearly Lincoln Riley believes defense is optional, <laughs> uh, just like he did in, when, uh, in the uh, Big 12. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Pete, it's good to talk to you. I've been an L.A. Kings fan since the L.A. Kings came into existence, and I used to follow the L.A. Blades in the 60s with yeah. Willie O'Ree. Yes, who was I think the first African American uh, hockey player had had a brief stint in the NHL, um, except for Do the you three years. Me with the Kings? I'm sorry, uh, Peter. You remember me with the Kings back seventy eight eighty one? I worked with Bob Miller. Yeah, yeah, I certainly do. And I was I was going to say Bob Miller is in the Hall of Fame. Um, yes. You know, he was. You know, we've been lucky in in, in L.A. with with Vin Scully, and, and but we have Bob Miller. And Bob Miller is fantastic, and Nick Nixon, yes, uh, who is either in the Hall of Fame or or will He's be in. shortly. He is. In. I remember I, when Miller moved to TV. I remember Nick Nixon's first L.A. Kings game as a broadcaster, and he was awful. He was just awful, and over the years, I mean, he is just so fantastic now i guess my complaint and thankfully i've 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 it's it's no longer a problem la kings stopped carrying their games on am radio and fm radio three or four years ago and it took me quite a while to discover uh through sirius xm Yep. that the Kings uh, games are, are on. But I I don't know how many other uh, NHL teams uh, have have stopped carrying their games on on terrestrial radio. But I, yeah. I, I think They're it's, on the I think app it's now. a shame. San Jose is on the app, and New Jersey is doing things on the app. And the Islanders oh, I, were yeah. off, but they're back on. But for a yeah. while there, they were off radio yeah i i think it's i think it's unfortunate i know the kings are sold out almost every every game but but i think ultimately uh it's it's not a good thing but uh, and i'm i'm pleased that i found them again and in fact a couple of three weeks ago uh we had a we had a plumber over here to our place and it turns out he's a hockey fan albeit an anaheim ducks fan and so uh, we have a wager um, as to which team the Kings or the uh, or the Ducks will have uh, will be higher in the uh, in the West standings, and we have a bottle of our uh, chosen uh, alcoholic beverage riding on uh, on that on that wager. I bet you'll win that. I I I'm, I'm pretty sure I will too. <laughs> I think the Kings are going to have a great season. We've made some good moves. I haven't had a chance to listen to any of the uh, preseason games yet, but I uh, I hope to shortly. But I uh, 
I, I really like what the current management is doing, and uh, I, I enjoy hockey. And, and Peter, I think b- basketball. Uh, I, I have the opposite view from you, meaning Peter Altschul. I yep. I think the hockey season is is perfectly fine in terms of its length. Uh, I don't start paying attention uh, to basketball until around Christmas. Although now that the Lakers seem to have gotten their act together, I might listen a little more regularly early on. Well, Mitch, you and I actually agree. I don't follow basketball or basketball until after Christmas. Also, I but for some reason I just don't get into hockey until you know uh, February. You know uh, uh, when you know the season winds down. Um, so that's just me. And the thing, and, and I, I guess I'd ask uh, our our guest, and I know the answer, but a lot of people may not. Most uh, USC Nash- guys know the answer before they ask the question. Well, no, I know the answer, but there might be folks on this on this call who don't. Um, the Nashville franchise got the name Predator, not not because. Well, why don't you tell us why the Nashville team is named the Predators? Well, it they isn't what people think. They were excavating for a bank in downtown Nashville in the nineties, and uh, during the excavation, they came up with the skull and the skeleton of well a predator uh, uh, and that's what the the whole thing came about, about. after people uh, voted for the team nickname on the website it was because of the skull and the skeleton discovered on the sites of a bank that since as we know about banks nowadays it's been renamed <laughs> several times uh but uh it's now Regents Bank but at that point it was First American yeah it's it, 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 you know I thought uh, I, I, it's 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 not your normal story, but uh, is Na- are, are are the Kings in Nashville going to be fighting? I think Nashville's in the West still, aren't they? Yes, I've yes, lost they track. Are. Yep, uh, no, still in the Western uh, who, who, Conference, the easternmost team in the Western Conference. Right. Um, what kind of year do you think uh, the two teams will have? Well, I think the Kings have an absolutely great outlook going on. Uh, and we'll just see if the trip to Australia took too much out of them at the outset. Uh, but the Predators are in a transition period, going much younger, and let's see how those youngsters step forward. The injuries that hit the Predators last year, at the last third of the season, looked like it might totally knock them out. It made them sellers at the trade deadline, and still the youngsters who came up from Milwaukee led them to just within two points of a playoff spot. So if they can resume that pace, I think the team will be in pretty good shape. Well, I, I think I recall that the Nashville took took the Kings two out of three last year. Yes. So uh, obviously uh, the Predators are a tough opponent for us. What I missed most, we only had the Predators started in 98-99. So we only had one season to play in my old home at the Forum. And uh, that was a <laughs> lot of fun for me. That was a lot of fun. The forum, the forum has had an interesting history. Uh, uh, a mega church bought it and, yeah. and used it for services for a while. It is now again a venue uh, for concerts. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I, uh, when it first reopened, uh, we went to uh, see the Eagles reunion concert there. So it is. It is now back to being a uh, a, a general venue for. Uh, for, for music and other activities, just in case well, you didn't Eagles, know that. 
Yeah, with the Eagles, you can see a Nashville product and a proud Predators fan because filling in with them right now is Vince Gill. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it's it's great talking to you. It's it's fun to talk about hockey, and that really does show that uh, fall and winter are coming. Or here. Yes, it does. Or it Mitch, really does. Mitch, Mitch, before you go, I know Pete is yeah. also a baseball guy. So let's, if you if you don't mind, Mitch, let's let's turn a corner and talk about the baseball playoffs, which start tomorrow, right? Um, so what do you, what do you, I guess let's talk about uh, sort of general who might win. Well, I I told uh, I I emailed uh, a buddy of mine this morning and I said that uh, the Dodgers will go as far as their starting pitching, which is held together with uh, bailing wire and duct tape. Uh, we really, we're really going to have uh, a challenge. Uh, this is probably the, the least uh, depth we've had in the starting staff in, in the 10 or 11 years that we've, uh, you know, we've been either first in the division or, or second the year the Giants had their super season. But um, Kershaw is not himself. Um, that's evident, even though the Dodgers keep telling us he's just fine. Uh, Lance Lynn, uh, I used to call back in the 70s, uh, we used to call Pete Mickelson, who was an old reliever. Yes. We used to call him Hang Em High because of the uh, number of home runs he gave. Uh, gave up I think Lance Lynn gave up 43 this year so yeah. we've got Lance Lynn as number two and number three is Bobby Miller who is not probably the Bob next Miller. Clayton Kershaw right not I'm that sorry Bob. <laughs> <laughs> not, not no, Bobby Miller is no not that Bob not that Bobby Miller uh he's actually the, the third Bob Miller to pitch for the Dodgers yeah there was uh, one had, that pitched for the Mets too that they were the same uh, that Bob Miller pitched for the Dodgers and then went over to the Mets in the expansion. That's how yep. old I am, Pete. Yeah, I remember those days. As do so, I. So, so we're, we're equally so, old. Uh, <laughs> so it looks like, looks like to me, though, Mitch, that the Dodgers are the are the uh, USC Lincoln Riley, <laughs> you know, of baseball because your hitters, you got. I mean, you're you're batting. Uh, lineup is is uh, <laughs> is just great. So, Our offense is 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 tremendous. Although, you know, when you get into the playoffs, you're going to be hitting against the top pitchers on the playoff team's roster. So, we'll see how how we fare. Uh, we still have a couple of guys who strike out more than. And I'd like uh, Chris Taylor strikes out too much. Muncie strikes out too much, but uh, well, that's baseball you know, today. Well, it is, and yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm not crazy about about you know that that part of baseball. But we'll we'll go as far as our starting pitching. Our defense is good, actually. Our defense is better than USC's. Um, we were up top three or four, I think, defensively. So. Uh, yeah. One concern you mentioned, Mitch, is a concern to everybody. Nobody has starting pitching depth. No one. And the reason for that, I think, is they're asking the managers and the front offices are asking people to do 
what God never intended us to do, which is to throw over 100 miles an hour on a consistent basis. This is why we, we have more injuries by a lot among starting pitchers than we had, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, because we're asking him to do something unnatural. Don, it's interesting you say that. Um, we, Donna and I work out, my wife and I work out uh, twice a week with a, with, a, with a trainer. And a couple of years ago, uh, the first trainer we had um, said much the same thing. He had played Division Two uh, college basketball in the uh, in the East Coast, and he was really into uh, into uh, exercise and athleticism. and And he said exactly what you said that that they're throwing harder, they're putting more of a strain on their on their arms, on their elbows, on their on their wrists and shoulders than in the past but uh you know with all of the exercise and all of the uh the emphasis on nutrition and working out um maybe maybe what needs to happen in his pitchers need to uh not do that I, I remember when i was younger they they said you are kids aren't supposed shouldn't throw a curveball until till at least high school if not beyond high school so maybe maybe the issue is that these young people are uh, are learning uh, some of these pitcher pitches like a slider, curveball, whatever, uh, too early in their in their career. Uh, Walker Bueller had a had his first uh, Tommy John surgery when he was in college. And some parents want them to have it in high school because they read it gives them an extra four or five miles an hour uh, in velocity. Yeah. And and I I don't think that's good. And I I think yeah the number and I guess a couple of Atlanta pitchers uh, starters are on the shelf. So maybe it'll be a uh, the winner will be the team that uh, that has the most starters healthy uh, through the uh, through the playoffs and into the World Series. But you know crossing my fingers. In fact, I'm going to the first playoff game Saturday uh, with my brother-in-law. We're going to be going to the, the first Dodger playoff game. We're hoping it's against Arizona because Arizona's pitching is is not anywhere near as good as Milwaukee's. Right. So, hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. Much that I love the game. Uh, whoever that yeah. is, please meet yourself and raise your hand. We'll, it's we'll, Bob. We'll... It's Bob. Oh, right? Bob! <laughs> I didn't recognize you. Forgive me. I don't me. think you want me to be muted. No, I do not. <laughs> I, I I'm, want I'm, here. I want... I'm here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, delighted you're here. Mitch, you were talking about the playoffs. Yes. Okay. You're talking well, about the NL, yeah, the the baseball NL uh, uh, D uh, division in the championship series. And you okay. get to go, which as much as I love the game, I have never gone to a postseason game in my life. And man, am I, are you ever lucky? Yeah. Well, we, uh, my my brother-in-law and I, uh, were huge Dodger fans, and. And he asked me a week ago. Uh, he said, "Do you want to? If I can get tickets?" He said, "They're uh, they're going online." I said, "Absolutely." Uh, and and hopefully it won't be during the USC game. Otherwise, uh, otherwise I'm going to have divided allegiances. But uh, but uh, we're we are going to the game next Saturday, the first game. Uh, Mitch and everybody else, uh, I'm going to go on record. I just arrived, so I don't know what happened at the beginning of the conversation. But I'm going to predict. Houston versus Atlanta in the World Series. 
Not a bad prediction. Oh. Hopefully not I, Houston. Uh, Please, with, God, not Houston. With, I mean, they wormed their way in. With all deference to my dear friend, Michael, uh, I... I have a feeling it's uh, it's it may be uh, Baltimore's year. I'm so kind of rooting for Baltimore, actually, probably for the same reason that you are, Mitch, because I don't want to say they're a Cinderella or anything like that, but Baltimore is doing it right. Finally, the playoffs in the World Series are pitching are are pitcher series, and the teams with the best pitching, as I said a couple of minutes ago. Uh, will will probably be in the World Series. I, I keep hearing people say though that they don't trust Baltimore. I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't know. Why, if they, they why don't they, Why don't they trust them, Mike? Because I don't think that they think that uh, their pitching will hold up, or they have the the kind of solid batting that uh, that other teams, or you know, uh, consistency. In their, and, in their and their offense. young team too. They don't have the experience that Houston has. It just seems so so awful that you know Houston didn't play very well all year long, and then they wormed their way in the last weekend of the season. <laughs> yeah, they, they won the division, and they're the second seed, yeah. right? If I, if they're the like, second seed. Yeah, Minnesota's yeah. the third seed. Tampa Bay is the fourth. Uh, is Texas the fifth or Toronto the fifth? I think Texas is the fifth. Is that right, Pete? I think Texas is fifth. That means Toronto's the sixth. Yeah. Yes. So my concern, and I'm actually curious about your take on this, Pete, and Mitch, for that matter. Um, it seems to me that more often than not, playoffs experience counts. You know, that, that having that one or two years experience is in the playoffs, an older team, a more experienced team, makes a difference. And that that's why I'm I'm shy about Baltimore. You know, they're they're they've had a great year. And they, you know, they may make it to the, you know, division five, uh, you know, the American League championship. 101 wins. I understand. I get it. But we all know what happened last year in the uh, hockey Stanley Cup series with the Boston Bruins, don't we, Bob? Yes, we certainly do. <laughs> it was excruciating. <laughs> yeah, the curse. But that's the curse of the President's Trophy. You don't want to win that. I think only four <laughs> of the last 24 have advanced to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Is that Mr. Weber? It is. Yes. Nice to meet you, sir. I'm Bob Branco. Good to meet you. Bob is the guy in charge usually. So uh, thank you for coming on the program today and sharing glad your wisdom it. with us. Glad to do it. I don't know about the wisdom, but I'm glad to shoot some bulls with you. <laughs> so, so, but I'm curious, Pete. You made the the to the you know the the president's trophy and that the curse that's on it. What is your sense about experience in playoffs? You know, how how big a deal is that in in your mind, regardless of the sport? Yeah, regardless of the sport, I, thank you for bringing it up in that fashion. Because I think it is important, but it's not the overriding thing. It's you're in postseason, who gets hot and who can maintain that heat? I think that's the most important part of that. When in 2017, the Predators were the last team to make the playoffs, familiar to the Kings earlier in the decade, and they swept the Chicago Blackhawks in the first round and ended up in the cup final playing a six-game final series with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who went on to win the cup. But they got hot. They stayed that way. They go through Chicago. They go through St. Louis. And they go through Anaheim until they ran into the Penguins, as the Penguins then won their second straight cup. 
But I've heard that, uh, and it seems to be the case, that in hockey, uh, the winning team usually has the hottest goaltender. Yeah. It isn't just uh, the team generally. It's the team that has the goaltender that uh, that that <laughs> just stones the other uh, the other the other club. If you can grant me the hot goaltender, I will take that ninety nine and forty four one hundredths percent of the time. Just like those old uh, dental agreements that we had with uh, Crest toothpaste. That's what you want. <laughs> And that's probably true for football too, with the quarterback, right? Give, give me a, give me a, uh, uh, a really good quarterback, and I will take my chances in the playoffs. That's why Jets fans don't feel too good right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Kansas Patriots. City last night, Kansas City played down to the Jets' level. That's clear. Yes, they did. Well, yeah. said today that if he, if Wilson plays the way he played last night, yes, they're going to win lots of games. He won't. <laughs> I just want to take care. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you, Mitch. Mitch thank you. you Mitch. All right. Bye. Mitch don't. We no longer get to have a Notre Dame versus USC debate because Mitch has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> do we have anybody else with their hands raised? That's Steve. Steve, do you have any hand hand raised? Uh, not right now. All right. Well, Hi, Steve. Do. Thank you for hosting. Sure. If, if they do, you know, interrupt us. You're very good. By, by the way, has, has anybody yet talked about Tim Wakefield? No, no he's a good no. friend of mine, and I was crushed by that yesterday. He passed away of brain cancer, and we weren't supposed to know that. Thank you, Kurt Schilling. Yes. Kurt Schilling There's did a lot of talk that. about what happened there. Yeah, he made that revelation on a podcast, much to the consternation of the Wakefield family, who were trying to keep that all very, very private. And, uh, Kurt Schilling put it out there for the public, and uh, I'm very sorry to see that Tim has passed away at such an early age, 57. He was a guy who I saw come up to AAA when I was doing the games in Buffalo, and three pitches into, or maybe four pitches into his AAA career, he was already down 3-0, thanks to a blast by Steve Bye-Bye Balboni for Oklahoma City, and uh but he bounced back from that and what went on to go 10 and three down the stretch for the pirates at the major league level that year. And to this day, 92. Yeah. Jim Leland still regrets the fact that he didn't start him in game number one. So he could have played the deciding game and maybe just maybe Sid Bream wouldn't have made it all the way around the bases. Thanks to a weak throw from Barry Bonds. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I didn't. Of course, I didn't know him personally, but he I, he, he was he was a reliable pitcher for the Red Sox, which I always appreciate. seventeen years with the Red Sox. That's hard to believe yeah. when you look back on that. Seventeen years from nineteen ninety five, yeah. where by the way he started with a fourteen and one record in nineteen ninety five, and he had been released by the Pirates prior yes. to that signing, and uh, I think that made it even a more spectacular story. Wakefield was a humanitarian. That's all there is to it. Big time. And here he was. He was drafted as a power-hitting first baseman out of Florida Tech and then found he couldn't hit with wooden bats. And he was at Welland, Ontario, in the New York Penn League. And Pirates minor league instructor Woody Heike spotted him fooling around with a knuckleball and said, hey, that's pretty good. Let's try that on the mound. And there's the story, the beginnings of it's being written. You see the the latest, uh, the last knuckleball pitcher? 
I, I can't think of anybody else who's, who's who's followed him. Who has thrown it at, as extensively as he did. Right. We have some guys throwing knuckle curves, not quite the same. But I think we can say he was uh, the last Steve, of the breed. How about Steve Sparks? Steve Sparks, who's also famous for tearing up telephone books for part of his conditioning. Uh, yeah, he, he has been in there. Tearing up telephone books? Yeah, he tears them to build up his forearm strength. And uh, I, I don't know if it's the Manhattan directory or the Manhattan Yellow Pages, but <laughs> he, he was known for doing that for quite some time. Well, I'm glad the phone books are still useful for something, right? I mean... Uh, yeah, do you have one? Let's, let's ask her about the panel. Do you have one in your house? I don't. I don't believe so. No. Why? I'd you... take it down to the to the stadium so he could tear it up if I did. If I did. <laughs> Anybody out be... there has a telephone book? Let us know. We'll try to yeah. find out what Steve Sparks is so he can rip it up. Rip, rip it or up. He, he, if they do probably, have the book, he's probably, he's how old is the it? Juice box, we call it. You know. The... Yeah. How how old is the book? That's 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 a good question too. Yeah. Um, of course, we, we're, we're a wrong audience because all of us are blind. And so we, you know, we don't uh, take those things too seriously. You know, print is is uh, is not our friend, shall we say. So you don't miss newspapers? Personally, no. Yeah. Uh, not the print copy, no. Not the print copies. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, online. Yeah, of course. But not the print copies. Because um, I miss them greatly. When I grew up, we had five in the house every day. And uh, I seem to tend toward the sports section most of the time. I, I don't know why that would be. <laughs> Pete, I have a question for you, Pete Weber. Yes. Uh, what is your take on Bill Belichick's future at this moment for the Patriots? Well, the question would be, I could probably answer it a lot better if I knew what his stomach was for continuing. Now, he is a very contrary sort of guy who might want to just show us all that he can still do the job in this game. But uh, here's a guy that was – here's another guy, another Nashville tie-in. He was born while his dad was on the staff at Vanderbilt back in the 50s. And he has become the man, even though, when you think about it, his start with the Cleveland Browns was not exactly auspicious. But he came into being with the Patriots franchise and has just done a magnificent job there. That, that would be, I'd have to say, this generation's Vince Lombardi the way he's worked his magic there. So I think he probably is going to stick with his contrary nature and show people that he can do the job still and then uh, go ahead and give us some of the most bland uh, post-game observations anybody could possibly think of. Well, the word out there now is that he has not yet decided to become a modern-day coach with modern-day football philosophy. Yeah. Yep. He's too busy living in the past, and a lot of teams aren't doing that anymore with their offenses and defenses. I loved, know, I loved when he had Doug Flutie drop kick a few years ago, just as an ode to the past of this game. Uh, but I, I guess my question that, that was against Buffalo. I remember that. Go ahead, yes, Peter. it was. That's why I remember it because I'm a Buffalo Bills guy. Oh, are you? Yeah. So you must have been pleased with their performance yesterday. Not, three and one tied with the Dolphins. Pleased is not the full extent of how I felt uh, after that game. 
And uh, because, you know, we went through the entire decade of the 70s, losing all 20 games to the Dolphins. And so any victory like yesterday's is something that pleases us all greatly. And this is the Dolphins are one of those teams who I, I think were oversold. I mean, you know, they, anybody who scores 70 points, you know, gets lots of PR. And <laughs> I thought I thought they were doomed for a fall in Buffalo yesterday. And w- yeah. for once I was right. <laughs> well, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, you think about how badly they got beaten a week ago, but then what they were able to accomplish yesterday, coming back against maybe the worst team in football, the Chicago Bears. Are they the worst team in football? I guess they I guess they're pretty close. Very good chance that they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that was good for their psyche. But 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 Denver probably is still Denver though. Well, I they're think, not I think very they- Aren't they? Don't they, is, I think the Jets play them next week. I mean, I, if, I, if I if my memory is correct, I believe uh, so. And that's in Denver, and I don't know what to make of oh. that game. Not at, well, or does it matter? It's not one of those games that's going to make a huge difference. Well, I, I would say I would say that the Jets have the better defense, so I would I would lean towards they do. the Jets. They, they do absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, we're talking about the Patriots. Of course, they played your Cowboys yesterday. And the Cowboys, uh, you know, did their usual, you know, good good things. You know, to Peter, two, Peter, two the Jets down. played Denver at four twenty-five our time, which would be one twenty-five your time on That's Sunday. Right. That's right. I know, I know. Well, thank you for for letting me you reminded me of that. Yeah. So I, I, it's not one of the high highlights of next week's season, uh, 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 games. But I, you know, I, I, I still root for the Jets when I when my stomach will will allow it. Um, and so maybe, you know, maybe they'll beat Denver and then they'll be two and how, three. How was your stomach looking at the replay of the injury on Monday night football? Yeah. See, seeing the, uh, Achilles tendon roll up the leg on that super slow-mo replay that, oh, that was sickening. I, I read about it. Um, you know, of course it, it's just one of the curious things about blind people. You know, we can't see that stuff, but it's described right. to us. Um, but of course most play-by-play people don't talk about the gruesomeness, and they probably shouldn't. But the down. Pete, what happened? Who was the player? I missed something. Oh, just the quarterback they spent all the money on and brought in. Oh, Aaron Rodgers? Dave Packers, yes. Aaron Rodgers, Because yeah. the way I heard it, they ESPN didn't do the numerous replays they normally do of no. grizzly oh. injuries. Oh, Pete, I thought you were talking about something that happened last night. Oh, I remember the Aaron Rodgers thing only too well. Yeah. Well, there was another injury. Was the Cleveland Browns running back was similar? I think Chubb. Chubb. Yeah, Chubb. Uh, I think virtually got all the ligaments in his one knee, uh, blown out. But it is it is one of the curious things about we blind people. You know, we we don't we can't see the the gore, and um, it's only if it gets described do we have any sense of what's going on. And you know, in some ways, we're shielded from that awfulness. If only Joe Theismann could uh, have done that after he got ripped to the turf that night, the infamous game yeah. where Lawrence Taylor took care of his career. Well, and, and what I remember that game is that the, the Redskins ended up being the Giants anyway, you know, uh, you know, with, with, even though Theismann got hurt. Uh, and then, and uh, that's an injury that the league did repeat and repeat and repeat, and they they sold videos of – hits like that if not that one hits there were a franchise in 
like NFL's greatest hits there for a while. And yes. they were strictly talking about gruesome injuries, not hits that actually, you know, affected any games. And... Right. Yep. Go ahead, Pete. No, they did. And, and uh, I, and Joe Theismann, uh, always when I had run into him at various places said, you're not going to mention LT again, are you? And I said, no, I won't. That was <laughs> tough enough for you. But, I, but I, I, I'm glad that football is, is cutting back on the, the, you know, the glorification of violence, you know, I, I, football is a violent sport and it always will be, but Bottom line. Yeah. They, they, they don't, speaking have, of, speaking they of don't have to Joe Theismann, you, you were, you were mentioning Notre Dame USC. Yes. Uh, so what, what do you think's going on at Notre Dame? Now, how do you think their their future is is uh... well? You're asking you're asking a graduate, so I'm naturally going to be happy with the way things have gone. Other than when you fail to count to eleven before two yeah. critical plays at the end of the game True. against Ohio State, which tough for me in this house. My wife's an Ohio State graduate, so as they say, we have a mixed marriage, and it is uh, somewhat difficult to. Uh, keep in perspective that way. But I like Marcus Freeman. Uh, we had my 50th class reunion this last June, and I was the one elected to interview Marcus at the class dinner. And he was absolutely fantastic. He's an electric personality. And I know that now he has somebody assigned to count the guys on the field. Where did you graduate, Pete? What school did you graduate from? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. He's a Notre oh, Notre Dame. Dame. Oh, yeah, that's Notre right. That's right. Dude. So mixed so, marriage, so, like you so, said. So yeah. Pete, um, what's going to happen with Notre Dame with, with all this chaos going on in college football? Well, college sports. Where, <laughs> where are they going to end up? Do you have any idea? If college football decides to go with the one super conference, and I think that's the way it's tending right now, they likely will have to join in uh, because if all of their potential uh, opponents are tied up with conferences. Uh, they're not going to have any choice. Yeah. Now, they're, they've been offered, as I understand it, to stay independent over $70 million by NBC. Uh, but again, if all the schools decide to amalgamate, and we have like we had in the early uh, 70s, late 60s, early 70s, the merger of the AFL and the NFL, I don't think they're going to have a choice. But even, I don't see how they're going to fit in you know, with 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 all these conference realignments, I mean, because they're going to because people are going to want to play more in their conferences and have fewer yes. slots for you know that's the thing conference games. So I don't know how nerves is going to survive even if there isn't a a super conference. Well, I I think ultimately they probably will end up aligned in the Big Ten. I don't have any inside information on that, sure. but just geographically, as if geography means a darn thing right yeah, now yeah, exactly. in college sports, <laughs> where we have. You know, Cal and Stanford going to play Rutgers. Uh, I can't wait to see those baseball series. Well, Cal, Cal and Stanford are in the ACC of all things. I mean, is yeah. that right? I mean, think about that. You know, you have two two schools in California playing <laughs> mostly on the East Coast. You know, it makes no sense. Right. I mean, this whole thing makes no sense. At least uh, every other weekend, they're going to be on a flight. Yeah. And actually, football, uh, uh, you know, is bad enough. But when you're dealing with basketball, where you play – you know, two games a week, not one, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this idea of, of, of student athletes sort of goes by the board as far as I can tell.
Sure know, does. I mean, I, I tutored university students, University of Missouri sports people. Uh, okay. And, you know, when they traveled from football or basketball, they were exhausted, you know, uh, yeah. and it was hard to work with them. It's not that they didn't want to work. It was, they just were exhausted. Uh, and, and I understand I, that totally. That's... Yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, it's a crazy system. And it, it only was always going to get worse. You know, yep. from, a, from from an academics perspective, uh, you know, but that's that's me. I'm one of the few people who thinks that the you know, academics matter yep. in college sports, I guess. But whatever. You like to underscore the student in student athlete, in other yeah. words. Yeah. Well, but you know, it's it, it's getting more professional. College, you know, the the you know right. the, the marketing and all yeah. that stuff. As we say all the time, it's driven by the money. So yep. that's that's that that's really what counts these days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about two blockbuster trades in the NBA. Have you been following that at all? A little bit. Okay. Okay. Just for the record, for those people who didn't know, Damian Lillard went from Portland to Milwaukee. Phoenix gave Aiton to Portland. It was a three-team deal. I'm not sure what Phoenix got back. Milwaukee and uh, sent out, I think, a couple of other players. And then Portland flipped Drew Holiday. That was one of the players Milwaukee sent them. Portland flipped him to the Celtics for Robbie Williams and Malcolm Brogdon and two draft picks. Yeah. Now, wasn't Lillard the guy who was whining that he wanted to go to Miami? Yes. And boy, did he yes, get his comeuppance because you can't get any further from Miami than yeah. Milwaukee. Gee, he should whiz. be proud. Out his punch, he's going to Milwaukee. That's the best one-two punch in, in basketball right now. Yeah, it's still not Miami. <laughs> well, Miami's a good team after all. Yes, they are a good team. And it's a good city. I mean, I'd take Miami in a New York minute over any other city in the country. Too hot. I love Miami. Are you kidding me, Pete? <laughs> Too hot. Uh, it, it, my opinion. Exclusively my opinion. Yeah, so talk about the trade. What, what do you make of all that? Pete. Well, I think it's funny that, uh, you know, players force these moves nowadays for all practical purposes. They especially can tell, in, especially in basketball. Yeah. Yes, they can. Let's just think back to when they put together that great uh, Troika for the Miami heat, including LeBron and Chris Bosch a few years ago and Wade and, or, and, and Dwayne Wade. Right. That was just, uh, I think that was the signal that this was happening, that the players were going to drive the business. And now it continues. And in Portland, you know, we're well beyond the era of the jailblazers, <clears throat> which they accurately were there for a while. And uh, now we're watching what happens in its aftermath. So how does that change the, the dynamics? I mean, you know, obviously the season is a long season, but I, I love the fact that Celtics got holiday. I think you know. I think I think that's exactly what they need. Great defender, great defender, yes. and a and a solid culture guy. You know, a guy who who can, you know, seems to you know strengthen the culture, a winning culture. Uh, I think um, I think it I think it strengthens the Celtics more than the Bucks. Ironically, this whole trade thing. Uh, yeah, that, and, that's and now favorite. we got to wonder about what Harden is going to do in Philly. So, uh, uh, Michael, I know he's one of your favorite players. What do you What do you hear about about him? <laughs> Thanks, Peter. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I know. He, I, I, he says he's not going to play for Daryl uh, Morey. That that's his that's his statement, yeah. and he's sticking to it. 
but I'm not. I'm. I haven't heard whether th- there's any movement because I'm not sure who wants him. Yes, well, but apparently, but it, it's, we, we. I confirmed today that here in, in Houston that he won't be coming. He won't be coming here. Dallas. No, I, I, he wants to play for the Clippers. That's that's where he wants to play. What I read, uh, yeah. That's where he wants to play. I don't. I, why anybody wants him is beyond me. You know, uh, but that's that's me. He just. Harden reminds me a lot of Kyrie. Same personality, same uh, attitude. I don't know. Um, so uh, uh, we, let's go back to hockey for a second, Pete, since that's that's your okay. primary thing. Uh, what do you? You talked about the West a little bit. Um, yes. Talk about the East a little bit. What is your sense? I know it's not, you know, it's not the, your your primary thing. What do you think might happen in the East? Well, that's that's who we play all the time on our preseason schedule. So we ah, okay. we play Florida, we play Tampa, we play Carolina, and our two games with Carolina are coming up at the end of this week. But in the East, I'm people keep predicting Florida, who went to the Cup final last year, is going to fall off the face of the earth. I have a difficult time buying that, but I still think that. What they have now, I, I can't see the Boston Bruins repeating what they did last year no. with, their, with their top two centers gone now. And uh, that's a very difficult thing to make up. Coming up in that Eastern Conference, my old team, Buffalo Sabres, and I think the Ottawa Senators as well. So who is that going to push out? Will it push out the Panthers? And will the Red Wings actually have a legitimate try at being one of those ascendant teams also? I and- like Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Carolina, I'm so very impressed with what they've done over the last few years. And now they have a bit of a a depth problem. They have uh, dropped having an American Hockey League affiliate. So they right now have no team that is ready to accept (laughs) players that don't make their 23-man roster. So So what happens to those players? They'll get loaned out someplace else. Um, And what American League teams will be willing to take them, or for that matter, what European teams might be willing to take them. But can you imagine trying to call a guy up uh, from Sweden or something like that in the midst of somebody gets injured? They have to call somebody up from somewhere. Yes, absolutely, they do. But where are they going to have that agreement? They they are totally independent now at the minor league level, and I think that's going to affect them. And the other thing we have is a team that I think had just a tremendous season last year, New Jersey's Devils. Can they continue to do that in the East? And then uh, will the Islanders be awake when it comes time? So the Eastern Conference right now in the National Hockey League, I see the Boston Bruins going down, the Sabres, Ottawa Senators going up. Carolina is still going to be strong, but they're going to have difficulty with depth. And uh, then, of course, there's all my friends in Canada who say, why do you keep overlooking the Toronto Maple Leafs? Why? Well, the last year they won the cup was only 1967. They always find a way to blow it in the playoffs. It's the most amazing thing. Yeah. Thank you. you now, if they don't have a, an American Hockey League team, what level is the ECHL compared to the AHL? It's essentially double uh, uh, A, Don. Uh, okay. Like, like your days... Uh, with the New Britain Red Sox years and right. years ago. And that's as high as I got was double A. Right. That that day that I was there and Haywood Sullivan's son had a five-hit performance, 
Never, I can never forget that. So, uh, so uh, this is really for Bob and for Pete. I'm thinking about the Boston Bruins. I understand they lost their top two centers. Is this one of those teams that might not do as well the regular season, but might do better in the playoffs? It's possible, but first they're going to have to make sure they can qualify for the playoffs, and I think they're going to have difficulty doing that. I like some of the acquisitions they made in the offseason. I think Van Riemsdyk is going to be a force. Lucic is going to be a force. They're older, granted, but I think they're going to make their presence known. And then the two defensemen that the two defensemen that they picked up from the Blackhawks, uh, Wal, uh, not Walsh, Mitchell, and uh, what the heck's his name? Go- yes. Ragula? Ragula. Yes, Ragula. Ragula. They were nice pickups, and I also think that Beecher is going to make the roster. He is going to probably be on the fourth line with Greer and Patrick Brown. And we're going to see how well. Um, the defense works now, not with just those guys you were talking about them picking up and in goal, I think they are very well set. And that's turns out to be the most, you know, as we talked about earlier, the most important part, the important uh, position in the playoffs. Their goalies are going to carry them, Pete. I believe that yep. whatever they do, their goalies is gonna, are going to carry them if they keep. And if home. they can score some goals too, that would be nice. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Well, DeBrusque had a bang-out season last year. Yes, he did. Uh, He's happy now where he is. He's got a a coach that he likes. Hard not to like that. And Zaka's coming into his own. Pastanak, of course. Pasta is a special, special player. I really enjoy watching him. And, uh, uh, Pete, you didn't mention the Rangers. Uh, You know, who had had a decent year last year. Yeah, they did. uh, uh, what, What are your thoughts about them? Can they repeat that at all? They've certainly they've got the goaltending, right? Uh, and on defense, they've got a real stem winder in Fox who can run the show from back there. Certainly, offensively, he can. And I want to see, you know, what they do. The young players, uh, the guys up front, can they produce to the level that seems to be expected of them? I'm not so sure that they can. So there may be some. Uh, juggling around there as time comes down but they vincent trocek without an outstanding year did i understand mika zibanejad was shaken up the other day so i don't know if he's going to be able to start the year with them uh they've got some serviceable guys like barkley gaudreau who played well for san jose and also played for tampa and i think their best young forward is philip hedel you know the the good news uh, you know if you call it good news about the long season is that, you know, if they're hurt, you know, my sort of cynical take about these long seasons is that the season doesn't really start until after the all-star game. I know that's a bit much, but you know, if there's an injury, they have a chance to heal before the, you know, before the stretch run of the playoffs. If you can tread water right. until that point. Yes. Correct. And, and I think it's true that home field manage the least manage the least when it comes to the, the major forts, four sports playoffs. Is that right? I'm in total agreement with that in it terms is. of hockey. Yeah, hockey. Yeah, that's what that's what I was trying to say. So, yeah. and, and that's another reason why the season doesn't mean quite as much as it might otherwise. I wish there was a way they could figure out a way to make home field more, make the regular season more important, you know, more more valuable. We have to go back to the old days of the, uh, the days when the rinks had their peculiarities locally. 
That's yeah, true. Boston, Buffalo, and Chicago being smaller, narrower, and shorter. Uh, advantage, but now it's cookie cutter. It's two hundred by eighty-five. And same when I turn on games on center ice, and I'm trying to follow the other team teams to know who is playing. Yeah, that wasn't the case in the old days at all. All the rinks are exactly the same. I know they're, but yes. they're much more similar than they oh. were, you know, uh, forty yeah. years ago. But but they're. They couldn't. They, they, they're defensive that during the long hockey season. Yeah, they have to do that. There's no question about it. And have somebody who steps up in goal That's and true takes yeah. control. That's true, too. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. It was great. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pete. Uh, it was a pleasure. We'd love to have you back at some point. You're a very knowledgeable person about all realms of sports. Continue with the good work that you do. Thank you we so very much, guys. It's a pleasure and to for, join uh, for Don and for Mike and for Peter, I guess Luther didn't make it this evening. I didn't hear back as to why, but wherever you are, Luther, we miss you. We hope to have you back next week. And Steve, thank you for being our host for today. See you next week, folks. Go safe with God's abundant blessings.